We're going to continue in our series here, and I asked our ushers to get our table ready, so if you see them coming on up to the front, getting our table moved into the spot, we've got some uh, things to show you. But there is a story that was told of a, of a woman. It was early December. She was going to the grocery store, in the grocery store. She was uh, picking up some things, and she had had this candle. And when she saw this candle in the grocery store, and she, you know how you take the tops off the of candles and you smell them to see if you like them? And so she had done that. She pulled up this one particular candle. It was a cinnamon candle. And she really liked the way that it smelled. And so she um, saw that the same brand had an air freshener you spray in the room, and it would make the room smell like the candle did. So she thought, this is, uh, this is really neat. I like this smell, getting this ready for Christmas. So she uh, bought the, the, the can. And as uh, she was on her way home, she went by a fast food restaurant to get some lunch. And as she was waiting in the line, you know, sometimes you can wait in the line and get into the drive-thru. So she was, she was just curious, what does, uh, what does that aerosol can smell like? And so she took the aerosol can and she sma- sprayed it into the back seat. And unfortunately, it was extremely concentrated and it filled the entire car with a very strong cinnamon smell. So strong that it began to make her tear. So she's still in line waiting for the, the food. So she opens the door, or open, leans all the way over, opens the window on the other side, and then uh, opened her own window, trying to air the thing out, you know, get rid of some of the cinnamon that's in there. She was sure that the person behind her thought she was crazy doing all this, but she, she did that and trying to get some of it out, and she pulled up to the drive through window. Some of the smell, you know, was coming out, and the drive through window person kind of looked at her funny, and, and she said, I'm... I sprayed this cinnamon spray in the car, and she just kind of said, oh, I I knew I smelled something. And so she um, went on through, got her lunch, and was heading on back to work, and she thought, I wonder if people at work are going to be able to smell this on me. And so she came on and got her answer real fast. She walked past a person in in the hallway, and he just said, wow, it smells like Christmas around here. She had the scent of cinnamon on her as she was going. I don't think we always realize this, but the things that we do in our life Leave a scent upon us wherever we go. And so we entitle this, What Flavor Are You? What's the flavor that people come up with when you walk by, when they, when they see you? We're going to be over in the book of Esther. Last time we were over in the book of Ruth, looking at the favor of God, because we all like to walk in the favor of God. If you weren't here for that, it is up on the Internet. You can go up there and take a look at it. I believe they even posted it to the Facebook site. You can watch the live feed. And just so you all know, we are trying to do the live feeds here on a regular basis. So if you miss a Wednesday or a Sunday, you can uh, tune on that and, and, and check it out and see. Uh, just for those times you can't make it, we certainly want you, to, want you to be here. But we saw in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, that it said, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. We saw in 1 Samuel 2.26, and the child grew in stature and in favor both with God and men. And we saw when it was talking about Jesus that it said of Jesus that he grew in favor with God and men. That most times people are praying for the favor of God, and yet in the word of God, I can't find a time when people said, pray for me, I need favor. And yet how often does that dominate our prayers? And I never really gave much thought to it until we were working on this aspect of the series, and and uh, it's just not something that's in the Word of God. We're not exhorted to anywhere in the Word of God to ask God to give us favor with other people. Because actually the favor belongs to other people. How can God give it to us? 
And the basis of this part of the series is we're looking at the things that we pray for, having faith in our prayers. We've got to know where the thing is that we're praying for. Is it with God? Is it with us already? Has God already given it to us? Or is it in the hands of other people? Because if it's in the hands of the other people, it's not in the hands of God, and we can't ask God for it because God doesn't have it. We have to be sure we watch out for coveting because God said don't covet the things that your neighbor has. We're not supposed to be doing that. So make sure we don't, don't fall into that. But how do we pray when someone else has something that you desire or need? It might be a job. It might be something that they're selling. Whatever it might be, how do we pray for this if I can't necessarily say, well, God, give me favor with them? Because again, God doesn't have it. We looked at Ruth and her lifestyle. And the first day that Boaz meets her, we find that Boaz wants to put all kinds of favor down upon her. He says, uh, you know, treat her good. Make sure you watch over her. Let her come into the house. Let her get something to drink. Draw water for her. Uh, when she's following behind you, drop some extra stuff so she has it to pick up. And she got all that in the first day. Because there was something about Ruth that people just wanted to do good things for her. It wasn't that she said, God, give me favor. It was because of the way that she lived her lifestyle. And we looked at how much her character has to do with that. So today we're going to look at Esther because if ever there's a story where someone asked for favor, surely it's somewhere in Esther. How many believe that? If anyone ever asked for favor, surely Esther asked for favor of the king before she went into the presence of the king. Surely she was asking people to do that. How many? Don't raise your hand. But how many of you are thinking, surely if anyone is going to have asked for favor, Esther did it. Well, we're going to go over there and take a look at Esther see some of the things that had gone on. In Esther chapter 2, verse 5, we're going to be jumping. We're going to be covering quite a bit of the book of Esther, not in a whole lot of detail. Some time ago, we took on the whole book of Esther, so we'll be referring to some of those things, but uh, just kind of running through for the favor aspect of it here. In Sushan the Citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shemiel, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives, had been captured with Jochaniah, uh, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and, and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So it was when the king's command and decree was heard, and when many young women were gathered in Sushan at the, the citadel under the custody of, of Haggai, that Esther was also taken to the king's palace in the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. Now, we spent more time on this before, but, but people look at this and say, boy, what an honor to have been brought in there and, and how God had arranged the hand that she would be brought in. And that is just so far from the truth because in order for God's plan be for Esther to be the wife of this king, he would have to put his word on hold and say, look, I know my word says this, but I'm going to ignore everything my word has said on this topic. And I, I just want you to go ahead and do this thing. Because what they're asking her to do is to become married to a heathen king who worshipped idols. And she would become one of a harem. Can you imagine that be God's plan for any young woman's life? That, that she would be, be uh, brought into this type of uh, environment. I can't imagine God ever doing that. And it doesn't seem like maybe she had a choice 
or perhaps Mordecai, and Mordecai is not the hero that most of us look, on, look at him as. Mordecai is not that great a guy. He's okay, but he's not that great of a guy. Uh, if you had an uncle like this, I think you'd be looking for someone else. There ought to be somebody else who can have here. So he, he took care of her ever since her mother and father died. Verse 9, Now the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor, so he readily gave beauty preparations to her beside her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the woman. Esther had not revealed her people or family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. So Mordecai has either uh, volunteered her or found a way for her to be involved or did not stand in the way of her being in this harem. Perhaps it is that Mordecai sees her as a meal ticket. You know, if she gets in there, things are going to go a whole lot better for me. It could be something like that. But if you were the caretaker of a daughter and the mother and father had died, do you think that they would have wanted this for their daughter? But he seems to be just fine with the whole thing. So he puts her in here. Now look at the response that he gets from this person who has never met Esther. Now the young woman pleased him and she obtained his favor... How did she get the favor? She obtained it. She obtained his favor. So he readily gave her beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. Then then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace and he moved her and her maidservant to the best place in the house of the women. Now think about this. You got to think about a beauty pageant. If you've got a beauty pageant, that's basically what this is, folks. This is a beauty pageant. Let's see who it is that we can uh, decide is the most beautiful woman who's going to become the queen for this heathen king. That's just, uh, you know, look around and see. So we've got all these women. So imagine we've seen movies of beauty pageants and all the gals uh, in, the, in the room together. And how well do they get along? How well do all those women in the room get along with each other when they're all competing for the same prize? I mean, they're all smiles, they're all nice to each other, but they're trying to find every way that they can to undermine the other person from getting there. At least so in the movies. I've never been through a beauty pageant, can't tell you firsthand what it's, what it's like. But you can imagine if all these women are competing to be the queen, and all of a sudden, one of them gets all the stuff she wants, all the beauty preparation. She comes in and she says, could I have more? And I have no idea what beauty preparations you would ask for are. Some of you folks have much better, including my wife probably has a, she doesn't use a whole lot, but she knows them, knows about the products. And a lot of you ladies can probably just rattle some stuff off. So in your head, just rattle some of those things off, some of the things that you would ask for. And understand, we're not looking at the cheap stuff, we're looking at the expensive stuff. Whatever it was of the day that they were using, she had access to the expensive stuff. And so if she came on down and she said, I want some more of this, he said, get it right for you. Hang on just a minute. We'll get that right to you. And then somebody says, can I have some more of that? No. You already had yours. Yeah, but you just, no. Because this is what's going on. He would readily give it to Esther. In fact, he gave her more than was allotted. So if you're in a handout line and they're you know, giving the beauty preparations for the day and here, here's yours and you can hold it in your hand like this and her, she needs help. I can't carry all this stuff with me up there. That's okay, we got some maidservants for you. 
I don't hear that the other ones have maidservants. Or if they did, maybe they got one because she got more stuff than they got. She has seven choice. We got the best ones and we gave them to her. I don't know exactly how they're supposed to help in this whole process, but somehow they were going to help. And then he says, you know what? I'm not satisfied with the accommodations that you have right now. I am going to take you and put you into the best room we have in the house. Now, if it's the best room in the house, how many of y'all know it's not because it has an extra 20 square feet? We may be looking at all these rooms, share a bathroom. She has her own bathroom. That would set that room apart, wouldn't it? All the other rooms are hardwood. She has wall-to-wall carpet. All the rest of the rooms have the uh, cheapo mattress for a king, cheapo mattress. She has the best mattress in the room. She has the best blow dryer, the best shampoo. She has the best shower. All these things. She has, that room is the best room. And they all say, how did you get that room? That is the best room in the house. How did you get that room? Who did you pay off? This thing is fixed. I know this thing is fixed. This just isn't right. If you were one of the ones who were competing for this particular uh, episode become queen. If you were one of the ones in the running, would you not say you would notice that someone is getting some favoritism? And don't just say because she's, she's beautiful. Because all the rest of the women that they brought in are beautiful too. But she's getting favor. Why is it that she gets favor? But it doesn't seem to come to the rest of them. What is it about Esther? And so the, what we want to assume is, well, it's because... She's serving God. And because she's serving God, God just brought all this favor to her. Let me ask you this. Can God make people get born again? If God can't make them have a decision to become born again, how can he make them have a decision to like you? How can God do that? You see, this man made his own free choice. If God gave us free will, is it free will except for those things that God decides isn't free will? Or do you have free will? How many of y'all know we have free will? I can decide to do what I want to, good or bad. I can just decide. I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to go in this particular direction, whatever it might be. We can decide that. But this man was drawn to her. Why was he drawn to her? What was it about Esther? Because there's something going on with Esther, just like there was with Ruth. People are drawn to do good things. Why are they drawn in this particular thing? Verse, Verse 11. And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. Each young woman's turn came to go into King Ahasuerus after she had completed 12 months preparation according to the regulations for the women. For thus were the days of their preparations apportioned, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. That's a long time. 
That's a long time for, for all this. But that was the time that was allotted. So for all these months, you would be pampered until the night came. And understand what this night was. This night is exactly what it sounds like, folks. <laughs> you would go in, as it says, we'll just read it right here. Uh, thus pre prepared, each young woman went into the king and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the woman's quarters to the king's palace. So whatever you wanted to bring along, you could take. In the evening she went and in the morning she returned to the second house of the women to the custody of Shashag, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. So you were in one house being prepared and then you would go in for your night with the king and after that you were going to the second house. And that's basically the last anybody would see from you unless the king called on you. That would be about it. Not a very uh, fun life right there. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. So he would have to remember their name and call them over. Now when the turn came, uh, yeah, the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go to the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the woman, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. How many? Did all. All who saw her, she got their favor. Every person that met Esther, she did, you just wanted to do things for her. And so the, uh, Haggai, he, uh, he comes up to the, you know, the one woman comes in. It's her turn to go, not Esther, somebody else. And they say, should I bring anything? Bring whatever you want. Whatever it is that you want to bring, Take it with you and, you know, we'll give it for you. You just tell me what you want and we'll take it in. And one by one, the woman would come and he would say, whatever you want, you tell me what you want and I will give it to you and you can take it on in. And then Esther comes and Esther says, what do you think I should take with me? Now, I don't know what kind of things they have op uh, as a, as a uh, you know, option, but perhaps he likes milkshakes. How many of all like milkshakes? And so he may say, take a vanilla milkshake, because he loves vanilla. Maybe take a milkshake with Heath bars in it. Heath bars are good. No cherries. He does not like cherries. Leave the cherries off. We don't want any of those things. This is what you want to do. Or perhaps he would, they would say, take a hamburger with a fried egg on it and cheese he loves eggs have you never had an egg on your hamburger alright don't pick on that until you try it that, an egg was made for a burger I am telling you an egg was made that God said it's going to take them a while to figure this out but when they finally figure it out they're going to know an egg was made to be on top of a burger it is wonderful on top of a burger the only thing better is avocados or guacamole. <laughs> but whatever it is that he likes, he, you get to bring that in. And so she asked him, well, this is the guy who knows the king. And so they're all bringing the best thing they can do. But she asked and he says, oh, let me tell you what. I'm glad you asked me because I want to tell you, if you go in with this, this will set you apart. The king will take notice. So all that she brought in was what he told her to bring. And it says, And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. All who saw her. 
All you had to do was see her and you just wanted to be, have some favor there. How many, um, how many people, you have folks in your life and as soon as you see them, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Can I do something to help you? And then you have other people that as soon as they show up, you're trying to hide. I need to remove myself. They're going to ask me this. They want me to do this. Whatever it might be, you're trying to remove. But some people, as soon as they come in, you just can't wait. So I got this little example here to help us understand why this happens. So, hopefully we can see our table that's over here. But we're going to show you I believe about six different types of people. And how many of y'all know there's more than six different types of people? But we're going to show you some of those, those types of people. Here is the first type of person that we're going to show you. How many of y'all know what this is? Celery. Now, I know some of you folks like celery. I despise celery. With every fiber in my being, I despise celery. If you put celery in the meal, if I eat it, I will pick out every single piece of celery because I cannot stand to eat celery. I just don't like it. It is bitter. It is useless. There is absolutely no nutritional value to a stalk of celery. But I am told it does have benefits in your body. I understand there are some benefits. I don't want them. The cost is too high. So if I see little bits of celery floating around in the dish, it's okay. I don't need any of that. I don't like it because it has celery. Some people, folks, are like celery. They are bitter. And as soon as we see, as soon as we smell that aroma of bitterness, we say, hmm. No, I haven't even met you yet, but I know <laughs> you are bitter. You are a bitter person. We do not need you in my life. And I shut down on the things that I want to give. Because I have picked up this person is bitter. And after I get to know them, I find out eh, they're bitter. And I may know that they're bitter. Up until then, I just kind of think that they are. Well, we have a, something for the, the rest of you folks. Horseradish. Now, horseradish is going to represent something to you. And once I explain it to you, I think you'll understand it. That horseradish, how many, how many like horseradish? I never liked horseradish until I worked for this particular company. I went to work for Kelson's Horseradish for a number of years. And I never liked horseradish until I, until I walked into the place. And I was surprised that by the time I was there for about a year, I began to like horseradish. Because how many of y'all know if you work in a factory of horseradish, you're probably not going to like it a whole lot. And I got nearly killed a few times by the vapors of this stuff because <laughs> we're not talking about a little jar of it. We're talking about vats. And if you take the breath at the wrong time, I mean, you could die. I, at least I thought so. I, I came that close, I think, one time. But, oh, man, I didn't think I was going to make it. But when you go out and you buy some horseradish, how many of you know, sometimes it's hot. Oh, man, sometimes it's hot. And sometimes it's just, eh, it's not all that hot. Horseradish for us will represent moody people. You never know what they're going to be like. Until they show up and you start talking to them, Moody. They're just, they're just 
You know, sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down, sometimes they're angry. All sorts of stuff is, is going on with, with them. They're moody. That's our, our other one. Then, avocados. Now, I saw somebody put a, paste, uh, a post up on Facebook and describing avocados as, why would anyone eat these things? They're pasty. They don't taste all that great. And uh, my daughter put something up with that, and I had to put up a, po- a post on there that says, now, uh, now you've done it. Now I have to go out and have some. Because I love avocados. It's, I don't know why it is. For some reason, for as much as I don't like a whole lot of vegetables, this one gets me. And I love avocados. But here's the kicker. It's really good for you. Avocados are fantastic for you. How many of you folks do not like avocados? That is quite a few people. Quite a few people who do not like avocados. But avocados are fantastic. They're probably one of the best vegetables that you could possibly eat in all the things they provide for you. So if you're only going to eat one vegetable, this is probably the one to be, to be doing right there. That's a, that's a good one. This is going to represent people that are beneficial for us, but we don't always like them. We don't always like them. How many of you have some people that they will speak the truth in your life but you won't always like hearing it. But you are better off hearing what it is that I have to say. It has helped you. That's our avocados. Then, we have this one that's already out. How many of you have some people in your life that just give you energy? They just are perky. They just lift you up. As soon as you see them, you just feel more energized. You just feel more enlivened. And until you, I need to see so-and-so. Because once I see so-and-so, I know <laughs> my day was going to go better. These are, these are people who uh, are like coffee for, for some folks. They just really, really help them out. Then we have the people in your life, the Tasty Cakes. Butterscotch crimpet, come on. <laughs> I was thinking of getting a Twinkie, but I thought if I got a Twinkie, I would throw it out after the service. Because I don't like Twinkies. They got so much artificial junk inside. But, you know, tasty cakes, I'll eat them. So they're all right. Tasty cake. How many people have some people in your life that are just so sweet? Absolutely no benefit to you at all. But they are just so sweet. Yeah, we sometimes have some of those people in our life, don't we? And then we have one more. Apples. Anybody in here do not like apples? Ah, we got one. Only one. I'm sorry. <laughs> apples is kind of the old standby. I mean, most people, if you're going to have a pie, an apple pie is a good pie to have, isn't it? If you're going to go for a quick snack, you know, grab an apple and munch on that. And, and most people just like, it's a good standby. It's steady. It's always there for you. You can take this. You can put it on the counter. You can put it in the refrigerator. You can put it pretty much anywhere you want. It's going to be good when you go back there and get it. It doesn't have to stay cold. It can, it can be out in the room temperature. And then you can just go grab this thing and you don't need 
knives and forks and all this. You just take this thing and just grab it and just eat away. There are some people in our life that are always the same. They are steady. And we can just keep on going on, grabbing other kinds of fruit and vegetables. But you get the idea. An apple is not going to be horseradish. And celery is not going to be coffee. Sometimes we just take on a flavor. What's your flavor? What's the flavor of your life? What's the flavor that people smell when, they, when you walk by? What goes on with that? Pull up, if you would, on the screen, verse 16. For some reason I left that off. So Esther is taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. Verse 17. And the king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So he just meets her the first time. He's met other ladies. Other ladies have come through. He hasn't given them the crown. He hasn't come to them and they haven't obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the other virgins. But Esther did. Why? Because of the way that she carried herself. Because of the way that she conducted herself. Because when people met Esther, they just wanted to do things for her. And this king meets her and says, you know what? I don't even need to go. I still have more interviews to go through, but I don't even need to go through them all. I'm going to give you the, the crown of queen. You're going to be the queen. And so she became the queen, and the rest of the chapter, the rest of the time it goes through some of the things. We're not going to get into all the stuff that amounted to her taking that. But that's uh, verse 19. Let's go on with that one. When virgins were gathered together a second time, a what? A second time. I thought we already picked the queen. This is how bad this king is, folks. You know what? I enjoyed that so much the first time. Let's do it all again. That's how bad this guy was. When virgins were gathered together a second time, Mordecai sat within the king's gate. Now Esther had not revealed her family and her people just as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai as when she was brought up by him. In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Bixen and Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. And when an inquiry was made into the matter, it was confirmed, and both were hanged on the gallows, and it was written in the book, the Chronicles of the Kings, of the presence of the kings, or in the presence of the king. And nothing happened to Mordecai. So Mordecai, he's at the gate. He overhears this conversation of this plot. And he tells Esther, Esther, tell the king that someone's trying to kill him from inside. And so they did an investigation on it and found out, yeah, this is true. They were. Now, if you were the king and someone within the kingdom had uh, made this known to you, how many of you want to reward that guy? How many of you want to say, you know what? <laughs> what? I really appreciate you doing that. You know what happened to Mordecai? Nothing. Why? Because Mordecai is not that kind of person. I think if I'm going to tell, say who is Mordecai, Mordecai is so 
Mordecai's more like a celery. All right, I guess we should do something for him, but I really don't feel like it. I really don't feel like it. We're going to find out some more about Mordecai here going on. Chapter 3, verse 1. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman. How many of y'all remember the name Haman? Been through Esther before you. You know that name. The son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Now, here's the thing. We read this story and we think a lot of times like, well, that's, you know, Daniel. He wouldn't do certain things. And uh, his buddies, they wouldn't do certain things. They wouldn't bow to the image and they wouldn't worship it. And, you know, God honored that. And Mordecai is doing the same thing. Here's the thing, though, in this story, you will never find that any other Jew ever had a problem doing whatever was asked for them for this particular thing. What is being asked for them is not necessarily bow and worship. Because why would a king who thought himself to be God allow that to be bestowed upon one of his servants? All it was was the respect and Mordecai wasn't going to pay it. I'm not going to give you respect. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's commandment? In other words, why, come on, why, why are you doing this? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily, he would not listen to them. And they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. So Mordecai, I think what more of the story is this. Mordecai does not feel like bowing or paying homage to Haman. He doesn't like him. He doesn't feel, whatever it might be, he does not feel like he ought to have to do that. So he's not going to do it. But he uses his people as the reason. He hides behind his people. Well, I'm a Jew and we don't do that sort of thing. But nowhere in the book do we find any of the Jews who had a problem doing what was asked. Because there are other Jews in there. So why is it that he's got the problem with it? Again, I see Mordecai as a celery. So Haman won't bow or pay homage and uses his people as a shield. Verse 5. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, Haman was filled with wrath. And he disdained, or, yeah, disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. So because Mordecai wants to be obnoxious and not do something that seems to be very simple, I mean, how many times do we pay respect to someone who's uh, high up? I mean, you may just you know, nod your head or, or just, just, you're not bowing down and worshiping them. He just, you know, giving, giving somebody, he doesn't want to do it. I'm not going to give him any respect. No, so you don't deserve any of my respect. And he just goes on like that. And he hides behind his people. So now this guy gets mad and he's in a powerful position. He says, I'm not just going to take out Mordecai. I'm going to take out all the people. You see, here's the thing about the book of Esther. The book of Esther is not just about one woman standing up for her people and bringing salvation to all the people. It's about one man being obnoxious and bringing the wrath down upon him in the first place. Because if Mordecai does not do this act, none of this happens. So here's the thing. This is in your outline for you. So Esther attracts favor and Mordecai aversion. 
people just don't seem to like the guy. They just don't seem to like him. Now, I told you a couple of customer service stories before. I want to tell you another customer service story. This one is, is one that didn't quite go so well. I had one that happened a couple of weeks ago. I had a particular um, um, uh, tool that I, I use. Uh, just, I carry it with me all the time. Very, very useful. Very, very useful. And it got lost. We were on a trip and it got, it got lost. Somehow it didn't uh, make it back. And so um, I needed to replace it. And so I ordered a replacement for this thing and found it on sale. This particular site said, you know, 25% off of this thing that I needed. It's not a very expensive thing, but I got a discount on it. So I ordered the thing. It came in. I couldn't wait for it to get in and get it back in my pocket again and have it carried around. And so it comes on in and I, uh, I pull it out and I hit the button and it doesn't work. Right out of the box, it didn't work. I thought, well, maybe, maybe uh, the battery needs to be charged. So I charged up the battery. Waited for the battery to get all charged up. Once the battery was all charged up, hit the button. It didn't work. Oh, how disappointing. Now I'm going to have to send it back, and they're going to, have to send me another one. So I'm going to be out. You know, I've got to send it over to them, and then they've got to get it, check it out, and then they've got to send a new one back to me. So I'm going to be without this for a while longer. But what are you going to do? So I called the next day, called customer service, says, yeah, I got this, just got this thing the other day. Just got it yesterday. And um, it doesn't work. And I said, well, um, if it's a manufacturer problem, you know, you can probably send it to the manufacturer. He says, no, no, no. I just got it from you guys. Just got out of the box. It doesn't work. I said, well, if you, if you like to, you can return it to us and, you know, we'll look it over. And if it's uh, something wrong with the unit, we'll replace it or uh, we can give you a refund, whichever you like. I said, well, it's, that's fine. I'll go ahead and do that. She said, well, fine. You'll have to pay the postage to get it back to us. I said, huh? I said, it didn't work out of the box. I didn't break it. I didn't get a chance to use it yet. It doesn't work. Well, that's fine, but you'll have to pay the postage. Now, if we find it's something that's wrong with the unit, then we'll pay the postage to return it back to you. <laughs> now, how many of you, your blood's going to get boiling and you're going to get me all, all mad and stuff like that? I said, well, this is what I said. I said, all right. Well, thank you very much. I will send it back to you. And I hung up the phone. And so now I'm in the post office to send the thing back. I got it all packaged up. And he goes, are there any blah, blah, blah. No, there's nothing like that. Are there any? And he said, lithium batteries. And there's a lithium battery in it. I says, well, yeah. There's a lithium battery in it. So he stopped what he was doing. And he said, and we asked him some more questions about this. And I said, well, <clears throat> I said, it's just a flashlight. It has a lithium battery in it. I, I said, I got it from the manufacturer. I've got it from this place and it didn't work. They sent it to me by you guys. I'm sending it back to them through you guys too. I thought that would be okay. He said, well, it's not a defective battery. I said, no, the battery seems to check out fine. It's just that the, um, the, the unit won't turn on or won't stay on. That's actually what it was. wouldn't stay on. And he says, and you're paying the shipping for this to go back? I says, yeah. He says, they didn't send you uh, uh, a label? I says, no. I asked them about that, but they weren't going to send it. He says, well, I wouldn't have stood for that. I would have. <laughs> and he told me what he would have done. And I didn't do that. I said, that's okay. $7 and some cents. And I had to send the thing on, on back. And... Um, 
I, I got them back and I just had them return it and I bought it from someplace else and got it to, to come in there because I decided that wasn't it. Now, we, we look at this and we say, well, you know, that's a, that may be a loss right there. But you see, here's the thing that I didn't want to do. I could raise a fuss and I could get angry and I could say all kinds of things and be all kinds of nasty about them. This is my right. You need to give me a label. I should not have to pay for the post. I could do all that. You know what it would do? It would take me from being good tasting to bitter. You see, the things that you do all through your life are the things that make you celery or horseradish or apples or tasty cakes or whatever else that you come up with that you might be. Because the flavor that you have the taste that you leave with people. It doesn't happen all at once. And if you're going to fight for everything that you think is yours to the point of losing the qualities that God says you should have when someone else is not acting right, you are going to take on a flavor that's going to cause people to not want to do good by you. And they don't even know you. They've never even met you. You just have that flavor. Because you're never willing to back down and say, you know what? I'll just go ahead and do that. Mordecai was a person who wouldn't back down. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You can't make me bow down. I'm a Jew. You can't do it. And by him doing that, he not only brought this favor upon himself, he brought disfavor upon all his people to the point that one man in a powerful position was ready to kill them all. Even people he never met. He's now mad with all Jews everywhere. And folks, until that day, it didn't seem like he cared. It didn't seem like he cared the Jews were on the place of the planet or not. But as soon as Mordecai made that his defense, I'm a Jew, now he cares. And now, disfavor comes upon them. But you see, here's Esther. Esther's acting right. Esther, when this whole thing came down with the king and being brought into it, she didn't stand out and say, well, I, I don't stand for this. She didn't make a scene. She just went along. Verse 5 of chapter 4. Then Esther called, and we're skipping some of the stuff in the middle. You can go back home and read it if you like to. You haven't read the story of Esther in a while? Then Esther called Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to to attend her. And she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hatak went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him. Well, I'm just sitting here minding my own business. And this, this guy, Haman, I mean, he just, he got mad at me. And he wanted me to do things that weren't right for a Jew to do. And uh, I stood up for God and I stood up for these things. And, and well, now he wants to wipe out all the people of Israel. Is that what happened? Told him all the things that had happened to him. Folks, bitter, angry people always see stuff happening to them. They never see them as the cause. We talked about this a little last week. 
They never see about themselves as being the cause. Everything is always somebody else's fault. Remember, that's one of the pride tests we gave you at the end. If everything is always someone else's fault or something else is at fault, not you, you are probably operating in pride. And if you're operating in pride, what's, that, what's it say about God with you? He will resist you. But if you're humble, what does God do? God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. If you constantly see everything as being someone else's fault. See, when I had that problem with that customer service person, I didn't blame the customer service person. I didn't even blame him on the inside. You know what I said on the inside? I said, Father, I probably should have listened a little bit more before I ordered from this company. If I would have listened a little more, you probably would have given me a check and said, don't order it from these guys. And I would have listened and saved myself that problem. But I didn't do that. So if you were trying to get a message across to me, I'm sorry. I messed up on that. And so I went out and found another one, <laughs> another company. You know the company I found to, to replace them? It was out in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I even wrote a little note to them uh, on, on, on something. And said, hey, I would spend some time out there. It would be great to order something from, from here. And told them, and they were so kind, and they addressed me back. Right away, they addressed me back, and they go, Pastor Steve. I never asked them to call me that or, or told them much of that, that area, but uh, that's what they did. And um, just a different attitude that was there. So see, I'll order my stuff I need from those guys. Leave the other ones around. You see, it's not necessarily her fault. It's not necessarily the company's fault, their policy that they had. The fault is probably mine. And as long as I keep an attitude that says, where was my fault in this? That I can keep myself on the side of being humble, which means I can keep myself on the side where grace will come to me. But if I'm going to keep fighting for what is mine, as my right, I'm going to get angry and bitter. I'm going to be walking in the area of pride. And what's it say God's going to do? And if God's resistant to me, resistant to me, how in the world is he going to do anything to make someone else want to do good for me? That ain't going to happen. So told all that happened to him and the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for the destruction which was given at Shushan that he might show it to Esther and explained it to her that he might command her to go to the king and to make supplication that he might command her. Mordecai wants to command her to go. She's the queen. Who is Mordecai? Some uncle apparently didn't care a whole lot about her to defend her even. She's the queen. He's going to command her that he might command her to go into the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hattach returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hattach and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law. Put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So for the last 30 days, the king has not called her. Has he, the queen! He's not called her. What's he been doing? He's been busy. And so she says, if I go into his presence... I could die unless he extends the golden scepter. 
And Mordecai told them, told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai answers with this kind of reply, a threat. Why? Because people who can't get you to do what they want start to threaten you. Can you imagine Mordecai, uncle, caretaker for this daughter, doesn't defend her from being brought into a harem, now says this might be God's plan for your life and threatens her. If you don't do this, you're going to die. <laughs> this, is, this is some character. If you had a good idea of who Mordecai was, you had a good viewpoint of Mordecai beforehand. I am sorry. Just dashed all that to the smithereens. But he was not a real good guy. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, for me. Neither eat, drink, I'm sorry, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will like, fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. What did she ask for the people to do? Fast. What's she going to do? She's going to fast. Is there any mention in there? Ask God that I would have favor. Not a single one. It's not there. But she has walked in favor, hasn't she? She has walked in favor with the king because she's operated in a favorable way. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter and the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? So she comes into into the room and she waits. Now, there's a lot of ways to enter a room. How many of y'all know that? There's a lot of ways you can enter a room. You could enter in the room and say, King, I've been ignored for 30 days and I'm not going to have any more of it. How many of y'all you could do that? Do you think she would be extended the golden scepter with that entrance? How about if she came on in, didn't say a word, but she just had a look? She had a look. How many think she's going to get the golden scepter for that look? Mm-mm. No. How she come into the room? She came in very humbly. She dressed up. She put on all her royal stuff. She says, I am coming in as the queen. I am coming to see my, my position as queen. I am coming in. And yet I am coming. And she just humbled herself right there and just came in barely into the entrance and just stood there and waited to see what the king would do. And if the king would have said, kill her, she would have been okay. She said, if I die, I die. She's not going to raise a fuss. She just stood there. And the king looked and said, Oh, it's Esther. Oh, she just picks me up every time I see her. Oh, I haven't seen her in a while. Oh, Esther, come here. And he extends the golden scepter out to her and she comes forward and she touches the golden scepter. You see, folks, there's a lot of ways that you can enter into the room. There's a lot of ways that you can call your customer service people. And some of those ways won't have the end result that you want. 
You can be pleasant. You can decide, I'm going to be pleasant until they stop doing what I want them to do. And then they're going to get... (laughs) But you see, if you do that, if you harbor all that stuff in, it alters your flavor. It alters the air about you. And people who have never even met you can immediately pick up. This isn't good. I'll give you another example that you can probably relate to. How many people do not like dogs? Do not like dogs at all. You want to stay way far away from dogs. That's just one, one person, just one person. All right, the rest of you like dogs. How many of y'all know you can go up to a dog and you can pretty much tell whether that dog is a nice dog or that dog is a nasty dog? You can tell right, almost right off the bat whether that dog is nice or whether you want to stay back from that dog. Because just because they're a dog doesn't mean they all act the same. There are some dogs that are nice. There are some dogs that are moody. You just don't know what that dog is going to do. So you, you, you operate in a certain way. But you can pick up that air about that dog. People can pick up an air about you. And you think, I'm not getting the favor from people that I ought to get, that I need. Folks, the problem is not with them. How do I know that? Because you're looking at an unsaved, idolatrous king who's out there with all the girls that he can. No morals to this guy at all. And yet when he sees Esther, what's he want to do? Ah, grace to you. Peace. Mercy. Blessing. Just wants to throw stuff. The, the, the head eunuch meets her the first time. What's he want to do? Oh, you know what? I want to give you extra stuff. I want to take you and put you in the best room in the whole place. I want to give you some of the best maids to have that I have in my staff. And I want to give you more of them than I give to anyone else. If it's wherever she goes, she finds favor. Wherever Ruth went, she found favor. Ruth's life took a turn for the worse, but it wasn't because of anything that Ruth did. But the reason that her life came back was because of who Ruth was. Good things found their way to her. Esther, good things found their way to her. People just wanted to do good things to her. Let's finish this up. Then the king went, Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. How many know that's favor? So Esther answered, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for them. And the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? It shall be granted you. Now, he, she didn't just ask him to lunch. She'd been working on this thing. She's been fasting for three days. And in those three days, you know what she was preparing? A feast. Think about this. You are fasting. You are not eating. And you are preparing food for someone else to eat. How, is it, how hard is it to fast for three days for you? How much harder while you are shopping and preparing food for those people? It can be difficult. There she is. 
fasting, and preparing. So this is a banquet. This is not just coming over for lunch. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? Because I know it's not just to have me come over here for lunch. I know that's not it. It shall be granted you. What is your request? That the half the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Esther got cold feet and didn't want to say. <laughs> then Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, and let the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I have prepared for them. And tomorrow I will do as the king has said. Tomorrow I will tell you what it is that I would like you to do. Put it off till tomorrow. So Haman went out that day joyful. I want you to see something that goes on here with Haman. I'll tell you what kind of a person he is. Haman went out that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate and that he did not stand or tremble before him, he was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home and he sent and called for his friends and his wife, Zeresh. Then Haman told them of his great riches, the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. How many of you folks have someone like this in your life? You come over to their house. They invite you to come over. They say, come over. I'm feeling bad, feeling down. I need you to come over. And he come over and says, I want you to tell you how rich I am. I want you to tell you how many kids I have. I want you to tell you the king promoted me. Not any of you guys. No, he promoted me. I have been promoted. And look at the power that I have. Look at the finances. Look at that great house that I've got. And all he did was, the whole time they're there, he's bragging on himself. Hmm. Moreover, Haman said, Beside Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she had prepared. And tomorrow I am again invited by her along with the king. Yet all this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Let gallows be made fifty cubits high, and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it. Then go merrily with the king to the banquet. And the, king, and the thing pleased Haman so that he had the gallows made. And we all know that he got end, ended up on those gallows. But he's all happy, and then all of a sudden he sees Mordecai, and everything just goes because it seems like all he wants out of life now is Mordecai to be gone. People like Haman can never be happy with all the things they have in their life. They're always looking at what is missing. Esther is not looking at, I don't have my freedom. I don't have a real husband. I don't have this. But she's happy. And Haman has all these things. And he sees Mordecai. And he's brought back down to where he's so angry. He says, all this avails me nothing. All this stuff I have, it avails me nothing. Put this in your outline for you. Don't be the one whose joy depends on other people. Don't be the one whose joy depends on other people. Your joy depends on you. The God that is on the inside of you. Other people can just add to it, but people cannot take away your joy unless you let them. Unless you let them up to you. If you don't let them take away your joy and you keep that joy inside, that joy just continues to grow and that joy gets bigger and that joy just attracts people to you. And people just want to give you stuff. I don't know what it is, but I just want to, I just want to give you this. I wasn't thinking about this before. I just want to give you this. 
And it happens all through life. You're going to have opportunities. And how many of you ever like, like to go shopping? Go ahead, raise your hand. How many like to go shopping? How many, and, and, and when you go to shopping, I learned this, I, I didn't learn this right off the bat. I learned this a long time ago, but it, I didn't do this for a while. For a lot of times when I would go in shopping and people would come over to you, you know what they would say? Can I help you? You know what I would say? No, I'm fine. And I'd go about my stuff. And you know what that was doing to me? That was turning me into celery. I didn't realize it, but it was turning me into celery. It's like this. Why? I wasn't nasty to him. I just said, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I even talked about it sometimes. I said, you know, I go into a clothing store. I don't need your help. I'm better at this than you are. <laughs> I probably was, but <laughs> you shouldn't be thinking this kind of thing. That I want to I want to be playing with some colors. I want to be playing with some shirts and stuff like that. And, and um, you know, I don't need your help. But then I learned I'm not doing them any favors and I'm not doing me any favors by doing it. And so I, I began to change. And when I go into a store and people came to help me, you know what I'd say? Sure. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this. Can you help me find this? Because I figure they know the store. And, and you know what happens when you do that? It changes you on the inside because that bitterness is gone. I'm not bitter for them. Why? Why are you asking me to help me? Why don't you just leave me alone? When I need you, I will get you. See, that changes you on the inside. Your joy's gone. But if you say, yeah, come on. Come on. Help me out. We can have some good. We were out shopping. My wife didn't know it. We were out shopping. Oh, well, she knew we were out. But we were out shopping, and we ended up shopping for her. Now, I didn't know I was going out shopping for her, but um, my, my daughter says, if you ever want to buy something for mom, that's the store. That's the store to go to. So, you know, it's just a little, sh- little store down in King of Prussia Mall. Um, I guess I could tell you the store name, huh? You don't want to know that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a store of Christian stuff all over it. I think it's called Altered State. Anybody ever heard of that store? I'd never really heard of that store either, but we walked on in, and you know, every time we had walked past it before, Connie had seen some things in there, so we walked on through, and she says, I know she likes this, and she likes this, and she likes this, and oh, I, I like those colors. And so uh, this one young man, he was over there helping, so I asked him, I said, help me on this. I, I want to find that. I want to find colors like this. And he had, he's working around the store. He's going around. We, were having, we had fun. We came out of there uplifted, and I bought some stuff for my wife so she could have some nice clothes because she won't buy them herself. So we, we bought them for her. And uh, we had a good time. But you see, if you go into a store and just turn everybody off, how many of you can imagine working in a store and not having anything to do? How, how would your day go? It goes kind of, <laughs> Corey's saying, you're saying it would be good, good, great, just great. <laughs> well, people who enjoy their job. <laughs> I should preface it with that. <laughs> if you enjoy... You're there to help people, and it makes your day go by faster. You're actually helping the salespeople if you let them help you. I go into a grocery store if I can't find something. Instead of just wandering around looking for it, I just grab somebody. Hey, where can I find this? And they say, oh, I'll show you. Oh, you don't have to show me. Oh, I'll show you. Okay. (laughs) He's walking me right on over to the place. Right here they are. Thank you so much for helping me find that. I appreciate it. I was over at Wegmans today. I didn't know where they put the horseradish. You know what I did? I grab Bob because I know Bob. See, most of the people in the Wegmans 
who work night shift, I know them. I know their names. I've talked with them. Because if I go in, I want to lift up their day. Talk to people. Don't just turn them off. Find people that you can talk with. Find people that you can interact with. It changes you on the inside. We're doing a whole lot of things, folks, that make us into celery. Bitter. Make us moody. Angry. But you see, if you can get rid of those things and you become ice cream. I mean, who wants to say no to ice cream? The only reason you say no to ice cream is because I'm on a diet. I don't want the extra calories, right? If, it weren't for, if, if ice cream had no calories at all, how many of you would eat it every day? Mm-hmm. Because it's good. It makes you feel good. You get done ice cream. You can't be depressed when you get done ice cream because ice cream is so good. It's the kind of person that you want to be. But you see, you don't get there by praying, God, give me favor with these people. You get there by living the life that God said to live, which is don't be anxious, don't worry. Don't be angry. Don't be bitter. Forgive. Be merciful. Believe the best. If you do these things that the Word of God teaches you, you become a person that the world even wants to bless. We have more to to share with you on this. But what are the things that you can begin to do yourself to get you out of being a bitter person, out of being an angry person, out of being a moody person, and into being a joyful person, a person that people say, look who is here. Vanessa has come by. Oh, Vanessa, I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing today? What can I do to help you? Instead of those people who says, well, what do you want? You see, because becoming that person, it's up to you. It's not up to God. It's not up to how many people you have praying. It's up to you. If you live your life, the way God has taught you to live it, you will become a person that people cannot help but want to bless. They will meet you for the first time and they will say, can I give you my car? I have a vacation house. Would you like to use it? They just want to give you stuff instead of people who withhold things from you. But it's up to you. Would you all stand up with me? What kind of things can you do in your life now to put you on a path to be a person that finds favor wherever they go? A person who grows in the favor of God and in favor with men. What can you do to become that kind of person? Stop looking at other people that that other people have done this to me like Haman. Don't be in in the group with Haman. Look at other people. Or Mordecai, I'm sorry. Don't be in the group of people. Look what other people have done to me. No, be in the group of people that says, what can I do to help? Be a person who enters the room humbly. Be a person who doesn't blame everybody for where they are. But a person that people desire to bless. Father, we come to you understanding that you desire your people to be blessed. 
But we don't always walk in a way that causes people to want to bless us. But if we follow your statutes, the things that you have taught us in your word, and if we make them a part of our life on a regular basis, if we take the things that Paul taught us on love in 1 Corinthians 13, if we take the principles that are taught in the epistles of how we should live our life, about how we should be joyful, about how we shouldn't be angry, about how we shouldn't be moody, about how we shouldn't worry or be in fear or all these things that the Word of God teaches us, we can change the flavor that we have. That when people see us come by, they pick up an entirely different aroma than they had before. And it may take them a little while to learn that this is who we are now. It's not something we can just try, see if it works. It's something we need to say, this is what the Word of God taught me to do. And I don't care if no one else ever brings me anything, ever. I'm going to do this because God said it. And Father, you want to make us into people that the world desires to bless. And you want to make us into a people that the favor of God is easily found. Thank you for the help that you give us on that. We give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a few prayer requests. Do we have uh, praise reports in the back there? Uh, last Friday, our kitchen sink stopped draining, and my kitchen was full. I'm gonna. That's a. Okay, I'll do the praise report here. I'll tell in the back. Full of dirty dishes. We called a plumber. They came out Saturday morning and said it was a simple fix, but wanted $450. We said thanks, but uh, no. Being reminded that we have a one-year home warranty, we called to schedule an appointment. Through them, we were able to. Expedite the process. He was there Sunday afternoon. The problem was fixed in five minutes for $75. Praise God. Monday was the holiday, so we got our mail on Tuesday. In it was an unexpected overage check for the escrow on our house for $72. <laughs> in total, we only spent $3 to have our have uh, Z Plumber and Z Plumber. Is that the name of the... Oh, two. That is probably correct. Boy, that looks like a Z. To have two plumbers and a fixed sink, plus we have a 60-day guarantee with no further charges incurred. Hey, amen for that. All right, I had a praise report. I got the clean bill to try running this week. Got out there yesterday, was able to do two miles, and that was good. And another little thing, I was, I'm still riding the bike and, and doing stuff with, with that. And I was out on a 16-mile bike ride, and I came back, and then one hour after I parked the bike, the tire went, <laughs> which if it happened on the way out there, I have absolutely no way to fix that sucker. <laughs> Glory to God for that one. So praise God for a flat tire at the right time. Uh, Susan, please pray for all the folks in Florida as the hurricane hits. We have many family and friends there. We will be praying for them. And uh, Bobby, uh, 
his sugar was uh, that, oh, that his sugar will stabilize. He had a rough night and has a severe headache, so we will be praying for that. And uh, Ray, for a colleague of mine, Renee, her husband is having some severe mental issues. Um, she is the mother of four small children. Her husband is the primary breadwinner, so they are struggling. She is saved. I'm not sure about her husband. I pray that the Lord strengthen her and her family during this trying time. So he, the husband is having the severe mental issues. And he's the one who's probably not saved? Okay, let's all stand up one more time here. And let's pray for, for these folks. Father, I thank you for the help that you give all those folks that are down there in Florida as the storm comes on by. And Father, we know that storms don't come from you. In fact, the way that you made this earth, there were no storms like this. But because of sin, these storms came. But I thank you. She will help every single person in the path of that storm with their houses, with their lives, with their beings. Father, I thank you for great things, great stories to come of how God's hand was there helping all those that are there. We thank you for it. We thank you, Father, that you're with Bobby, showing him the things to do to get that sugar stabilized and not to be fluctuating and giving them these rough nights. And we pray for Ray's co-worker, the Father, the peace of God would come to that man as he hears the things of the gospel, that he would receive you as his Savior, and his life would be changed. And we thank you, Father, that you can turn around mental states very quickly the way that you did in the Word of God. You can do so for him as well. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, my wife has a couple of uh, thing, announcements for you. We are not having the end times class today. We did a quick poll and it seemed like a lot of people weren't able to make it for today. So we're not going to do that. But if you, and even if you're not in the end times class, I am going to put on the Facebook page a link probably later on today that you will enjoy listening. Brother Rick Renner had an end times teaching that he did. And I think you all will really benefit. If you haven't seen it already, I will put a link to it that you can watch it and listen to it. It was phenomenally good. So I want you to get a chance to, to see that. So it's going to be on the church Facebook page. It's not there now. It will be there later on. Come back and check that out. How many of you are on the Facebook page? I think yesterday I put up the uh, link to Tony Cook's uh, article that he wrote. Anybody see that one? All right, a few of you folks. If you didn't see it, you've got to go to the church, website, the church Facebook page. The Facebook page. Go on the church Facebook page. I put a link to the article. He had a great article on how to pray for people in storms. And how people prayed in storms and, and in the Bible. It's a fantastic article because most people just say, just rebuke the storm and have it go out to sea. And so forth. He has a really good article on this. If you haven't read it, you're going to want to. Pull, pull that out. It'll just uh, give you the link to Tony Cook's site. You can read it from there. That's on the church Facebook page. If you don't go to the church Facebook page, you ought to go there more often. We do put things up. Put some comments on it. Let me know that you're looking at it. I can find more stuff and put it up there. It's just more... Um, more encouraging to do that when I know people are going up there and checking the, the things out. All right. Um, I think that's all I have. Oh, Wednesday night will be in the book of Hebrews. That will be going on on, on Wednesday. Uh, we should be finishing up one and going into two.
two quick announcements. The prayer and praise night for this month will be the last Friday of September. So if you plan to come, um, we'll be meeting here at 730. We're usually done by 9 o'clock, um, but be prepared to, to just come and, and worship for a little bit, and uh, we'll just let the Holy Spirit lead us however he desires to go that night. Um, also, those of you who have children, um, it's been kind of difficult for me to get together with them on this, but now that school started, it's a little bit, um, I'm hopefully people are getting into, into routines. But next Sunday, right after church, I'd like to have a meeting with the kids um, to go over the famine because we're starting um, all of the activities for the famine. A lot of them have never participated in it before, so they really have to get a good idea as to what the famine is, um, what we do leading up to it. And then the actual day of the famine will be in February. So we have some time from between now and then. But I'd like to have at least once a month meetings with them before the famine actually takes place. So next Sunday, plan on staying after church. We'll have some lunch together and go over that. If you can't stay for for whatever reason or you know your kids can't be here, just see me and we'll try and get together with them at a different time. Okay? Um, And, again, I do want to encourage you, read that article about Tony Cook what he wrote because you know how many of you are seeing on facebook people and i'm going to say their opinions because not every if it was fact we'd all be saying the same thing right if the holy spirit was speaking he'd be saying the same thing to all of us right he gives examples in there about when jesus rebuked the storm told the wind and the waves peace be still there's another time he walked on the waves and let the storm rage there's another time when when paul was in the midst of the storm and he was told by the Lord, listen, everything's going to be destroyed, but there'll be no loss of life. So how do you pray? They're all storms, all caused by different, or I don't want to say caused by different things, but in those storms, God gave specific direction on how to pray and on what to do. We cannot just, as believers, take it upon ourselves and pick what scripture we're going to pray over that storm because then we do that, and when it doesn't work out that way, what happens? Confusion. Everybody gets confused. So read that article and then listen to the Holy Spirit tell you how to pray. We know that we can always pray for protection. We know we can always pray for wisdom. That's given. We need wisdom in these situations, how to reach these people, how to help them, what is the best thing that's needed at any given time. Read the article and then search. let the Holy Spirit search you and, and tell you how to pray for these things. Because for myself, I've turned off all of Facebook and what they're trying to tell me. I just get so frustrated with them. It's like, the Lord said, but no, the Lord said. Well, <laughs> It's very frustrating. So listen to it. Excellent article. Excellent article for this time. We do need to be praying for our family members and friends out there. We have a lot of Rama pastors and ministers.